mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like in the eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is The Art of Masculinity with your host, Johnny Elsasser. Hey everyone, welcome back. In today's episode, we have Dr. John Connolly on with us. He has been conducting training programs for medical, mental health, and life coaches for more than 40 years. He is also the author of Life Changing Conversations, a book demonstrating that a single conversation can create profound and lasting life improvements. And he is also the creator of Rapid Resolution Therapy, a way that people can process trauma without necessarily going through it, which is a very interesting conversation we get into on this episode. And I'm really, really intrigued by the process of this, especially for all my fellow veterans and first responders who struggle with PTSD. This is something that you guys can look a little more into and see if it may be able to help you. But he has used this not only for PTSD, but also for survival, survivors of sexual violence, which is is very interesting as well and using the rapid resolution therapy you don't necessarily have to dive back into the trauma which is another interesting piece of the conversation we have today on the show so i really recommend that you guys listen to this if you know anybody struggling with these things with trauma with PTSD or any other issue that is plaguing them that in their thoughts um, that they've experienced in their lives, this is something that you guys can maybe look into or even pass along this episode to them so they can, you know, follow up and research Dr. John Connolly and his work. So very amazing episode. So much I learned from it, like I said, from not only just the RRT aspect of how this deals with the brain's comprehension of the trauma, but also the fact that there is a lot more to the conversation of how we handle this and how we can process through it so we can experience happy lives and fulfilling lives. So really enjoyed Dr. John Connolly, his energy and also his wisdom. And I know you guys will as well. All right, guys, enjoy the episode and I'll see you guys around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today, we have Dr. John Connolly on here with me. That'll be the last time you hear me say that. He has asked me to call him John, and uh, I will do so moving forward. But John, how are you doing today, sir? It's a great day, uh, Johnny. I'm excited to get started with you. I, I am incredibly excited for this podcast episode for a number of reasons, but your expertise just lends itself to people finding their own happiness in life and kind of eradicating, you know, these negative beliefs and self-talk that we all really have in our, in the back of our minds, some more severe than others, but I love that your work dives into that. So we can really help ourselves to be that happiest version. And you're truly doing the groundwork for that with, you know, what you've laid out 
um, with your expertise and what you're doing to help people these days. So I, I just really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to diving into all this with you. Thank you, Johnny. I'm excited. All right. Well, before we start, John, um, I'm going to run you through what we call the manly round. It's a, it's a little rapid fire three question uh, interview that people will get to know you a little differently than maybe before. Are you ready for that? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm ready to get it. <laughs> All right. Your first question is, what is your spirit animal and why? Um, I guess it would be a dragon. And, um, I, I, I like it because he's, he's, he's powerful, dangerous and magical. Mm, I love that. That's good. Yeah. Dragons. Well, we well Johnny, I'll, I'll confide something in you as long mm -hmm. as you never let anybody know. So I, nope. had this, I had this gal, you know how people have pet names for each other. Mm -hmm. and, and for some reason she picked that and she, uh, and we were like, I was in love with her, you know, I mean, embarrassingly in love with her. And she'd say, <laughs> dragon. Hey, drag. Uh, never called me. John it was always dragon. And we spent a long time together. And just before um, the breakup, which was a, a totally her idea, I said to her, honey, I always like it, you know, that you called me dragon. And we never talked about it. Why? And she said, oh, I saw a cartoon once where there was this ridiculous looking dragon walking around with a pineapple upside down cake and he tripped and it <laughs> fell on his head. And that reminded me of you. <laughs> well, I was thinking, oh, I thought it was because I was powerful, dangerous, scary and magical. Uh, I was a cartoon character that awkwardly dropped a, a, a cake on his own head. So oh. I guess I was seeding the ground. So I was ready when I finally got dumped. But yeah, <laughs> dragon would be the spirit animal. More information well, I, I, than you asked for, but there you go. I love your version of the dragon as your spirit animal, not her version of the dragon. I, well, it, it, it wasn't what I was hoping for, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's really good. Thank you for sharing us, sharing that with us, John. Well, just don't um, tell then, anybody. Keep that one. I know. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to know about that, about that one. We'll, we'll just keep it as the uh, first there dragon. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Your next question is what song whenever you hear it. So imagine you're on a subway surrounded by people. If this song came on, you would have to start singing along out loud with not just in your head. Oh, um, the song that's coming to mind is crazy and inappropriate. But what I'm remembering is a real, real old one called uh, <laughs> Judy's Turn to Cry. That was by Leslie Gore, and um, and the words were, and now it's Judy's turn to cry because Johnny's come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Back when I was like 14, I was probably pretending that one was about me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so funny how we make an association with the song, especially the lyrics like that. It's, uh, you know, I'll be in the gym. It's really fascinating. I'll be in the gym and I'll listen to something that's like 
not like super high tempo, but it'll raise my vibration to want to lift harder and more. And it'll be something that if I, if anybody else heard it, they'd probably just be like, you're listening to this in the gym. My wife's been like, you're listening to this in the gym. You're like, just resonates, you know? So, so if, if disco is your secret, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> it's just, it's Celine Dion singing. Uh, <laughs> my heart will go on. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. Your last question is, if you could, you can even travel in time, it's got to be a well-known person. If there's one person that's lived on this planet, that's well-known relatively to everybody, who would it be that you would prank? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I... I can, I can, uh, probably you. <laughs> I'm not that well known. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get a podcast. I'm going to have you on it. And I'm going to say, well, Johnny, let's get started with these three questions. <laughs> I come up with something that, 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 that does to you what those did to me. Yeah, definitely you. You, you're a well-known guy, and I would figure out some kind of prank for sure. I've been pranked a lot in my life. I was in the military. That's all we do there. There you go. <laughs> the, 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 the prank shows they have on uh, YouTube are um, like really some amazing stuff. So that, that, that's all lighthearted fun in my book. Oh yeah. I love it. It's, it's hilarious. You know, if you can land a good prank, it's, it's the best. Well, there uh, no, you go. No hard feelings. Nope. Well, that, that was, you did great. You did great, John. You didn't, uh, you didn't falter there. So that was a good job. Nobody warned me about any of that, but um, that wouldn't have been a good prank if they did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's the best. It's a way that we get to know you do a little ice breaking, but um, it's also just, it, for me, it's just important to have a little fun before you kick off. So there we go. Well, you know, you have such a storied background. You have um, a book coming out or has it already been released? There are two books out, Johnny. One is called Life-Changing Conversations. And yes. that book is demonstrating that somebody's life can dramatically change in a single conversation in a single meeting the second book is called grief is not sacred um and both of them are available right now okay i thought grief for some reason i thought grief is not sacred what hadn't been released yet oh, we, but that we, is out it, there was a point when it hadn't but recently it has. <laughs> well i love that yeah so you have your books you have a, a 501c3 organization um you have the rapid resolution therapy that is amazing. And you've, you obviously have your education and you have created a platform to really sit out and help people in a way that I don't think has been done necessarily before or is necessarily even being done dramatically now in the same field. And so the first question I have, because I think this is incredibly interesting is how did you even get started on founding your Institute for Survivals of Sexual Violence, doing rapid resolution therapy, 
any of these things that you've put into practice nowadays? What was the what was the catalyst to this? I graduated from college with a degree in history. And I thought, now I better find a job. And I started looking through the wanteds, you know, see if they needed any bachelor's level historians. And there were jobs for welders, there were jobs for all kinds of skilled things. Nobody wanted a historian. And I felt, you know, I, I've just completed four years of education. I don't know how to do a damn thing. I'm useless. <laughs> and I remember I, I called I called my grandfather, who I thought was a, a wise guy, and I said, Granddad, I'm I just I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do here. I'm done with college. I need a job. I don't know how to do anything. And he said, what did you do in college? And I said, wrote papers, take tests. He said, you did okay with that. I said, well, I graduated. He said, <laughs> go to this building and just take tests. Really? Yep. And I did. And I ended up in some place where they uh, do civil service screening. And mm. I took tests for all kinds of things. And then I got uh, uh, a letter saying that I was um, could go for an interview. I went for an interview, and I found that I had just gotten a job doing something called child protective services, which meant mm. it was my job um, after an allegation would come in that a child was being abused or neglected. I was supposed to um, go knock on the door and say, you know, Howdy, we have a referral, blah, 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 that you've been uh, touching your teenager's breasts. And I thought we'd come in and, you know, chat about that. Maybe I'd spend a little time alone with her, see what her take is on this. It was the scariest freaking thing I could possibly imagine needing to do. Yeah. I almost ran out of gas riding around the block trying to wow. work up the courage. But um, it, it certainly put me into, um, I, I was in a, 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 I just got out of college. I didn't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm in a, a, in a, in a real, um, a, a, to me, it was like a scary town. Um, it, it was an impoverished environment. Um, and I was getting these um, referrals and knocking on doors um and 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 sharing this kind of allegation i got real interested in trauma uh that was happening to children what could i do with that and in that situation it was you you get it to be better or you grab the kid and run which i i i, I did a bunch of that too um wow after that, I worked in a short-term um, facility for runaway, throwaway kids, uh, teens, trying to help them get on their feet and figure something out and either get back with their family or know how to adapt in, in, in different ways. And so I really got exposed to um, um, how you know, horrible things happen to people at the beginning of my career. And then I became interested in, well, what 
what can I, what can I do after something's happened to somebody that's awful, where I can be of um, some use to that person if that thing has left some kind of a um, uh, uh, an imprint that continues to disturb, like PTSD does, and and I got particularly, I guess, interested. Well, in in sexual violence, then when I, I then I began doing a bunch of work with the police department with um, helping uh, crime victims um, recall information that would help the police catch the bad guy. Yeah. And, and, and I began working primarily with um, people who had been victimized with some kind of sexual assault. And, and um, my job was twofold um, in my mind. I mean, what they wanted was get information so we can get the bad guy. What I wanted is, yes, let's do that, but also let's leave this person that I just met with in better shape than had I not met with her. Um, mm -hmm. I began really looking into what's happening to people who are traumatized, and I didn't like that. And I, I, um, I thought that of all different kinds of traumas, and they're horrible traumas, and you know a lot about wartime PTSD stuff, and and yet the the stuff about trauma that that happens that involves something sexual, at least for the perpetrator, seemed to then have uh, a great complexity in terms mm -hmm. of uh, uh, guilt and shame and embarrassment and feeling soiled and all that kind of stuff. I said, this is this is a population that I want to be served regardless of any economic ability to pay for it. And that's why I began that organization quite a while back. Wow. That's, it's a, it's a fascinating story because um, you, when you actually started this, I know a little bit of the background was the woman couldn't even recall. It started with a woman who had been raped and she couldn't even recall the rape, like she couldn't call, recall who it was, correct? She couldn't describe the perpetrator at all. I mean, she didn't know whether he was 17 or 70. Um, wow. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I was talking about this yesterday because I just got contacted by another uh, police department. And, and, and I mean, just yesterday, I, I was there with um, uh, the this uh, captain and these other officers and talking to the detectives and letting them know about what I did previously and how I'm there to assist them now. I'm, I'm real interested in what can I do that would both reduce the the, the ongoing pain, or, or get rid of it. Um, and it was really fun. It was mm. really freaking fun to <laughs> be involved in 
that kind of community of um, police. Uh, I, I grew up, I mean, I was just scared of, uh, you know, as, as far away for, as possible from these guys. And, yeah. and then, you know, I kind of got to taste, just to taste the edge of being in that brotherhood, you know, that you've mm -hmm. had um, uh, those experiences. And I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of liking the, 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 the kind of, uh, I don't know, the esprit de corps, the connection, yeah. the part of the team thing with this. And I, I did that for quite a few years. And then I changed locations. I, it was over, didn't happen for mm -hmm. a long time. And it's just reemerged like yesterday. Wow. Where um, this um, head of the detective unit says, you're probably going to be hearing a whole lot from us because <laughs> they were very excited about how they could use um, what I know how to do, which is get information that is in people's mind but isn't consciously accessible to come out in ways that would help them to catch um, bad guys. Mm. Is there like a common theme that you see with that type of trauma from sexual trauma to like PTSD? Is there a common thread between them? Because I don't know, like PTSD, yeah, they me... don't necessarily forget, right? Right. And, and neither neither do you necessarily forget if it's if, if if it's a sexual trauma it's just that first one i mean that was unusual i haven't heard anything like it since wow and it was, it was okay. um that, that somebody remembered that it happened and had no idea couldn't describe it that was the one and only time that that wow. that showed up then i ended up meeting with lots and lots of um other people who had been victimized by the same uh guy who continued to become more and more violent uh, i mean this gal i met first mentally screwed up by this thing but her she didn't have broken mm -hmm. bones she wasn't missing teeth but as i kept seeing people right. there were more and more physical awful things going on and the the, the head of the task force, when they got him, kindly mentioned my name as helping them to um, mm. uh, uh, get this guy and get him convicted. And I just weeks ago, Johnny, the, 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 thought about it again. And I said, I wonder, wonder what happened to that. And I looked it up and and started Google tracing the thing and found out that fella ended up spending quite a few years in prison um, after they caught him and then finally was released from prison and then got a girlfriend and then beat her to death mm -hmm. um, and is now uh, back in prison. And mm. that also made me real interested in what can I do? I mean, what what yeah. what can I do? So I'm excited that I made that contact, and I'll be able to um, 
maybe make a difference there, maybe make a difference and get somebody off the street who would otherwise be um, um, really harming people. PTSD, military, this. Um, let me give you my quick and dirty on what it's about, how it happens, yeah. and what to do about it. Absolutely. Um, so our minds are much more advanced than the mind of uh, uh, a goat. Um, if, uh, humans built London, Los Angeles, yeah. and planes to go back and forth. The zebras can't do that. <laughs> One thing that our minds can do that no other life form can do is store information in a way that um, uh, we could reminisce. I don't think any other life form has that. Um, but anyway, so when rabbit is running from a wolf, you don't want him distracted by carrots. The way that happens, I believe, is mind of rabbit causes the data coming in about the wolf to get so big that carrots disappear. When you look up, the sky is blue. There's a white cloud. Where the hell are the stars? Well, mm -hmm. you would just explain, well, the stars are fine. You don't see them because sun is coming in big. So I think when there is a highly disturbing situation, our mind protectively does that. It does it for rabbits. It does it for people. It magnifies the info about the disturbing thing. Um, then that clump of enlarged data um, for humans is also likely to have some kind of meaning attached to it, not for other life forms, but humans have minds that then attach meaning. Meaning generally makes things worse when it's about mm. something that's been uh, disturbing, and that that blob of data then doesn't pass through and get um, processed. Um, I, if you if you have a colander, you know, you put the spaghetti, pour the water, um, yeah. uh, think of putting sand in it. And I shake it and the sand comes out the little holes, but mm -hmm. there's blobs of sticky sand and they don't go through. So I think for all of us, there are blobs of data that didn't get fully processed. So mm. your buddy saw his close friend um, blown up with a grenade, um, but that was seven years ago. You're in his uh, lovely suburban home. Some kid lights a firecracker, it goes off right next to his window when he's on the floor, uh, rolling onto the couch. He comes out and says, oh, man, Johnny, I'm sorry, but you know what happened to me and that firecracker, I didn't expect it. He's not firecracker-phobic, but the firecracker data, the pop, um, had enough in common with the uh, data about the um, uh, grenade that hadn't gotten fully processed. So one began buzzing the other thing, tuning forks. Mm. Um, 
that kind of thing I think is happening to people. That's a dramatic example of it. But let's say, okay, so you you like Larry because he's so kind and gentle. You introduce him to your friend Mary, who's immediately guarded, hostile, defensive. And you say, and he leaves and you say, Mary, what, what's up with you? How could you do that to Larry? She says, he's evil. <laughs> evil. He was incredibly polite considering what a bitch you were. And she says, <laughs> I know he's evil. What she doesn't know is Jeffrey, who used to be terrible to her in fifth grade, had a voice uh, structurally similar to Larry's. Oh. Tuning fork, bump, buzz the other. She has the feeling, not the cognitive memory. And uh, that's causing this feeling she thinks of as intuitive. Mm. But it's just a problem with other process material. And in my world, that's what I call normal. I think that's happening to people more often than, than not. And I think we can solve that. Um, mm -hmm. But with, um, with the kind of things that happen in, um, um, in, in, in battle, uh, so much can take place that is supposed to fully get your attention at the moment. It's like if you're being mugged, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a knife in your face. Uh, you're not thinking about um, uh, what you had for breakfast or worrying about what's going to be for dinner. And when the cop says, well, tell me about anything that was around, I don't know. Well, tell me mm -hmm. about the guy's face. I'll tell you about the knife. Because mm -hmm. that's what enlarged. Think of the camera where you focus and bring it in and make it big. And that yeah. happens during those traumatic events. And then the meaning gets added and the mind doesn't know at the deepest level that this thing is no longer in existence. So I might say, think of think of this soldier who, who, who's, who's in the mud. I mean, there's bugs, there's snakes, it's awful. He doesn't lift his head because he doesn't want it blown off. And mm -hmm. yet, the war is over. And guess what? His side won. We have some good news for this guy. Mm -hmm. um, and i that's how I see somebody who's been traumatized, whether it's a sexual trauma, whether it's um, something that happened um, in, in, in a wartime situation. Um, mm -hmm. The good news is it's not happening. And the good news is if you're alive, you won. Yeah. If you're alive after this thing, you won. Um, so hence, it's been defeated. And and I want to, as quickly as possible, send that memo and get people's minds at all levels to know um, that, um, that this thing is not currently happening because even though he, he he intellectually knows of course it's not it was 27 years ago unconscious yeah. may very well be processing it as it is happening it's about to happen 
Uh, it just happened all at the same time, all at the same time. All of those are awful. It just happened is awful. It's happening. It's awful. It's about to happen. Yeah. It's awful. I think our mind can be vibrating with all of them. And particularly when anything that has a similarity takes place, which could simply be the thought right. of it, but it can be happening when nothing is taking place. The good yeah. news is we've learned to pinpoint and clear that rather quickly and without it having to be painful. That's what's fascinating to me is you have figured out how to pinpoint that. And that, it, you know, it, when you refer to it that way, it sounds like it's almost like your subconscious is stuck in a loop, right? And it's like, okay, nobody's opened the door. That, to that piece loop, of so data. Yeah. That piece of info about the thing, the thing doesn't exist. Right. But the piece of data about the thing seems to continue to get get circulated what one of and 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 the and with ptsd it can have incredible complexity on so many levels one one fellow yeah. i worked with um there, there was a military vehicle and he's, a, he's a, i think he was a it's many years back i think he was a lieutenant maybe a sergeant but he he, he said to his guys uh, you guys stay here. I got to take a piss. And he jumps out, goes over. He's taking a piss and the vehicle's blown up and everybody he just ordered not to leave it is dead. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, how many different ways is that hurting all at once? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so you got to be able to wipe off the meaning the meaning is I shouldn't have told my men to stay in the vehicle. Of course you should have. You yeah. don't make decisions in retrospect or you'd always buy a yeah. winning lotto number. Of course you should have. <laughs> you, you didn't say, hey, you guys stay here so that I can take a piss and watch you get blown up. Um, yeah. um, so of course he should have. So we have to wash away the guilt, wash away the shame and let his mind know that that thing isn't happening doesn't mean something awful about him it's not about to happen so that so that that guy who crawled out from under the couch mm -hmm. says to you johnny i'm excited you want to go with me to the celebration and you say celebration he says yeah fourth of july dude Mm -hmm. And you go, you want to go to that? <laughs> and he says, yeah. And you say, would you explain? And he says, explain. What's to explain? Independence, freedom, beautiful colors in the sky, hot dogs, children. And you say, yeah, boom, boom part, mm -hmm. remember? And he goes, what fun would it be without that? Well, this thing went through the little holes. It's processed. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. that. He's not afraid of firecrackers. Yeah, that's no, that. fascinating. And it's no longer doing that. The problem I see, Johnny, is that very well-intentioned people looking to assist people that have 
done valiant things and been traumatized or or, or somehow got traumatized are are looking to help but often it seems to me by trying to get the individual to re-experience that painful event in order to um work it out finally yeah. you know if you're getting raped or if you're in a battlefield situation you don't have you're not trying to figure out how to express your feelings you're trying to figure out how to not be dead yeah so of course you're not expressing feelings and so mental health industry has been thinking well the feelings got unexpressed and the solution is to get them expressed yeah. i think hey you got raped if you didn't feel it all yay good for mm -hmm. you and i'm my job is not to get you to feel it now mm -hmm. it's to get that memo get the good news in this thing has already been defeated you're free yeah and that's yeah. not painful that's good news and when you successfully get this gal or guy to have received the good news they're clear they're free they're done mm -hmm. and and they can sit and talk to you about it without any kind of emotional uh, uh, turmoil being um, uh, uh, triggered. But Is it most treatment for veterans um, is based on an old model, which suggests right. that the only way out of pain is into pain. And mm -hmm. yeah, and a lot of people um, either realize that and they don't go, or they go and don't finish, mm -hmm. or they go through it and not necessarily. I believe, I believe, uh, when people go through that kind of treatment, if they get better, it's probably in spite of it. Mm. not because of it so i'm trying to find ways that are clear painless fast complete so that people who uh serve the country people who were first responders uh i've yeah. met with people who were who, who were there uh digging uh looking for bodies after the 9-11 stuff yeah. Uh, all the kind of stuff that happens at war and then all the people who are traumatized in in crime uh situations i believe we figured out how to get people better but it seems to be a very well-kept secret yeah no i love i love that you're not pushing them to go back through pain because i've seen that happen with people before and it actually has made them worse in some cases you have seen um, it haven't you i mean it's yep yep i've seen people do that and they've they've done the process of going through that and it, it made them worse on the back end and then on How top of that they want to find pharmaceuticals yeah i'm exactly you're reliving a very and that's I mean, your brain going on often that. with with treatment where they're doing two things. I'm going to put you through processes to get you to experience it, by the way, while medicating you to make sure you don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. That's Both the other together. Part. And and the VA is, you know, 
absolutely. I mean, you got to hand it to them for being generous when it comes to medication. I mean, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, or six or eight, their ibuprofen, <laughs> you know, as as for as for horses and bulls. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. And unfortunately, though, like I'm not uh, it, that the pharmacological approach to it is deteriorating the person's mental faculties to actually do that processing system that you're referring to. Um, and so for me, I like, obviously they're going hand in hand in, in a way that's counterproductive to each other. But when you see this, um, there's one more, I don't mean to interrupt, but there's one no, other, you're good. Piece, and that is, so I, I, I worked with this wonderful, uh, guy, uh, a former Marine who had gone mm -hmm. through all kinds of stuff, Johnny and, and, and all kinds of treatment that he said was as what well, doesn't matter i mean he, he said it was as bad or worse than the stuff but whatever mm. so he anyway we got him through this thing and he's better he can talk to you about it over lunch the thing that he, yeah. he couldn't even let into his mind and i said you know please help me let's let's get you out there giving talks about how you can get better. You don't have to stay in pain. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he just, he, he just froze. And I said, Hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean any kind of pressure. I just, you're such a, great speaker and you've been through so much and and you're finally better from this thing and he said he said oh my god i i i i so want to help with that there are so many buddies of mine that continue to suffer plus all the people i don't know i want to get up there and do it i want to give a talk i want to make it happen he said john i can't and i said why he says my I, ha I have a family, I have children, I have people that depend on me. And, um, and in order to continue to, to be receiving the funding I receive that supports them, I can't get better. Oh, wow. My income depends yeah. on me continuing to see one of their therapists and, and so that they can continue to document that there's good reason to continue to fund us. So when you put somebody in a position where you say, and by the way, if you get better, your income is cut. Mm -hmm. um, and all the other stuff, and, 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 and you got to go through all this pain to get better and feel like it's happening when it's actually not and all of that. So I I think it would be hard to come up with anything that would be less effective than what we have been, uh, what, what's out there and what's harming um, the people you know who, who really served, maybe as a police officer, maybe as a Marine, right. maybe as a Navy SEAL, whatever. Um, 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 they, they don't need more pain in order to not be in pain. It, it doesn't make sense. 
Well, part of part of this too, which I'm also fascinated in in your approach, is that you know you teach that notion of self, right? And that is in in kind of treating yourself with much more respect. You talk about um, how to have a conversation with yourself of you know the positive things that you can say as opposed to the negative things we all say to ourselves. And on top of this. I think a lot in a lot of capacity, especially with men, but I, I think this penetrates both sexes, men and women. But on top of trauma, you have these people also speaking to themselves negatively. That's not helping the situation either. Right. Are you finding that that is also something like with this Marine in particular, were you finding that that was also a piece on top of the PTSD that you were having to work with him on? I, I think that where I would like it to be addressed is from inside out so mm -hmm. that his mind from inside out fully gets it right that you are not in danger nobody's shooting at you this thing is not happening none of this was your fault and if we can if we can cause that to shift from within, which we can, then the negative self-talk is automatically ended. Mm. Um, what I think is going on is, is, is most approaches to mental health seem to be what's called cognitive, cognitive behavioral they get people really trying to focus on their thoughts and mm -hmm. and you know people who tell you well my anxiety what makes you think you're anxious well my thoughts are racing i have so many thoughts and bodily symptoms too but then you can go into therapy with somebody who's looking to cognitively challenge that and what do they offer you thoughts <laughs> so now you have thoughts about thoughts and some of them even have you putting graphs together so you can write out what you're thinking about what you're thinking about what you're thinking um so no i think i think yes it can be on some level useful to be telling people you know try to say kind things to yourself instead of nasty things to yourself or whatever. But I would rather that that not have to be anything that you're consciously putting any kind of effort into. Mm. I mean, when you're doing well, and you are at this moment, and I am, we're doing really well, how much energy are we putting into trying to be kind to ourselves? I'm putting zero. Yeah, I'm fully out. I'm fully focused on a fascinating thing that's going on for me in the conversation with you. And mm. when people are going to the mental health industry for treatment, they generally are telling these people to focus in mm -hmm. as the solution. But focusing in I don't think is the solution. I think it's a symptom of emotional disturbance. Mm. When you're doing well, when you're skiing down the hill, 
and you're avoiding the trees and you're staying upright and it feels good, are you thinking, why am I here? What have I done? Maybe something my mother said to me earlier, my teacher mm -hmm. wasn't fair. Mm -hmm. Oh, when do you think about that stuff? When you feel crappy mm. or when you go to therapy. <laughs> so I think that much of what therapy is doing is finding out the stuff that makes people screwy and telling them it's the solution. Mm. <laughs> and something else I think is that, have you heard anybody in the mental health industry tell you that some of the people they work with don't get better because they're not skilled enough? No, you would better? never see that owner. Yeah, you'd never see that ownership. You hear it. No. People who I train who are using this process, that doesn't mean we're batting a thousand. I'm not batting a thousand. There are some people I haven't been able to get better. And if I didn't, if I wasn't able to get them better, you know what that means to me? I didn't have the skill to get them better. I hope to acquire uh, that skill. I would do what I could to assist them to find somebody who already has it. But that's a very right. unusual attitude for anybody in mental health to have. It's like, Absolutely. oh, you didn't get better? You didn't really want to. Yeah. You were resistant. You weren't ready for change. Yeah. How can we blame our failures on the people who we have failed? Mm -hmm. I think if I fail you, the decent thing to do is to say, Johnny, I'm sorry. I didn't have it. Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah, you don't you didn't care. You just decided it would be funny to come to my office and pay me regularly. Uh, so that you could resist me and go away and make me feel bad, you bastard. <laughs> That's my prank. What, what a crazy <laughs> thing to think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was uh, th that kind of ownership is 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 non-existent and not non-existent, I would say, but it's it's seldomly found because it, people seldomly want to found there. Yeah, I don't think it's seldomly found then in every other profession. Mm -hmm. I think um, if 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 a football player is with his coach looking at what happened in the play and saying, okay, I want you to watch it and you tell me what you did there that you wouldn't want to do next time. Mm -hmm. That the guy's gonna look at it and say, well, coach. He's not going to say, coach, those, those other players weren't fair with me. <laughs> um, it's, it's my teammates. They didn't really want to win. <laughs> so I think people often take responsibility for their own errors. Hmm. Fascinating. But not particularly within that industry. Also, not particularly within the um, educational industry. Well, so so with your rapid resolution therapy, what are you guys um, specifically focusing on aside from identifying the pinpointing the the problem and then helping that without reliving it, 
process it and, and allow it to go through. What are some of the things you guys are working on that's truly changing the lives of these people that is not being shown that's right now in the mental health excellent industry? question. Thank you. Um, so, so is who would I most like to prank, I suppose, but this is one <laughs> I probably can answer better. Oh, uh, these folks. So people you know are familiar with words like conscious, unconscious, subconscious. Mm -hmm. Most people are familiar with that. But you'll find if you start listening, people don't use those words very much. The words they do use are the to refer to the part of the mind that's more advanced that we identify with. People use the word I. Mm -hmm. And then to refer to the entire rest of them, they say the word self. So you hear, um, I need to discipline myself. I need to motivate myself. I need to calm myself. I need to whatever. When our minds became more advanced, the primitive stuff had to keep working. So it, you couldn't say, I'm going to stop doing circulation for a while. I'm busy learning algebra. Mm -hmm. um, so a more advanced component got built on top of the more primitive component, I self. And, um, and these two components of the mind see the world differently and don't know what to make of each other, which is why if you say, everybody knows we are, everybody you taught, say that to says our own worst enemy, right? And everybody mm -hmm. thinks so, because there's, they don't have that knowledge that there's I and self, and self simply doesn't understand things in the same way. Hence, mm -hmm. people feel like themselves are their enemies, because themselves don't know what the hell they're talking about, and end up doing the opposite. So what do we do? We have learned to do a process. I came up with a process I call multi-level communication, mm. which is designed as I'm reaching the intellect to also be reaching the rest of the mind. Some communications are primarily to what we'd call the unconscious, some are more to the intellect. And so um, in a situation where if somebody, when she starts to talk about having been sexually assaulted, starts to shake and is teary, and you say, oh my goodness, what's happening? What are you feeling? And she says, I'm so scared when I talk about this. And you say, Am I scaring you in any way? And she says, oh, my God, no, Johnny, I'm not scared of you. Well, there's no one else here. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking to me. <laughs> yes, but I'm talking about that. Yeah, about that that happened seven years ago that you already survived. Yeah. So what's going on? Her unconscious hasn't gotten the good news. Mm. So the solution find out how the unconscious understands things and give it the memo.
and mm. and that's and that's done best from outside by somebody one who knows what they're doing and two takes responsibility for it so when somebody comes to me to deal with an issue um if they've seen somebody else in mental health they've heard hey i'm glad you're here i want to support you you realize it's up to you to get mm -hmm. better but um you know this is a good place to do it this will be your safe place and i'll be here encouraging you and i just what a crock of shit that is <laughs> i go to this crusty old barber even a nasty ugly guy uh, <laughs> and i i see this new place open and i look in the window and it's like gorgeous and yeah. these gals working there are like gorgeous and and i said you know i like loyalty but he won't know mm -hmm. and i go in there and she comes over and says hey and i go hey well come on over and have a seat and i do and I'm I'm there and she smiles at me and I smile at her and she takes out scissors mom would have called these are good scissors and she got <laughs> these really good scissors and and then she handed me the scissors and then she came back with this large mirror you know handheld mirror yeah and I smiled at her and she smiled at me and I tried to give the scissors back but she just kind of stepped away and smiled bright and I said, so what do we do next here? <laughs> she said, well, you know, now it's time for you to like, you know, help yourself. <laughs> and I said, what kind of help do you want me to be giving myself? And she said, well, you want a haircut? <laughs> and I said, sweetheart, what will you be doing? <laughs> and she said, holding the mirror. Oh, and I man. said, Oh, I, I I I forgot something at home. <laughs> and I'm back to that mean old barber who at least <laughs> figured it's his job to cut the back of my hair, not my own. So um, I I I one of the things to expect if you met somebody who trained with me to address an issue that you had is that we would believe it's our responsibility to get you better not mm. yours mm. um that's powerful and and somebody else can get me better better than i can get me better even though i developed this whole thing because they can see the back of my head better than me mm -hmm. so the responsibility comes with power and we have power when we have distance and objectivity and skill. That's why yeah. it's my responsibility to get him better. Right. And I don't remember what the hell your question was, and I probably didn't even answer it and went off. Yeah, you did. No, no, you, you did. Because I mean, in the in the sake of what you guys do in respect to rapid resolution therapy, how you guys are addressing these issues differently, that's a it was a perfect answer. And the fact that objectivity does become a powerful tool in all of this, and that's why, you know, you guys hold yourself responsible for doing that. But on top of that, you and that's a powerful tool, isn't it, Johnny, taking responsibility for something. 
for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I mean, with the work you do, if there's a problem, you go, oh, I'm glad you pointed it out. I'm going to address that. That's sure. in my court. Yeah. That's my responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. And that gives you more power. Mm -hmm. So when we take responsibility, I think we have power. And yeah. that's, that's what I would want for the educational industry. That's what I'd want for the mental health industry, that we take the responsibility to make a difference. I'd like to say just a couple of things about if people are interested in this process of RT. I do a um, an open group um, five times a month. Um, one is in the afternoon, but um, uh, most of them are on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's called Solutions. It's open. It's free. Anybody can come and address any kind of issue that they have. And I do my best in that arena to give uh, uh, a perspective that will be useful to folks. Mm. That's the very shallow end of the pool of yeah. the rapid resolution um, uh, program. We have all kinds of other ways to um, to interface with this and uh, benefit. Um, and there are um, a, a couple of books that might be interesting that um, um, are, are, are out there. The Grief is Not Sacred book and yeah. Life-Changing Conversations. Uh, both are there on Amazon. Um, and um, all of that stuff um, can be found at rapidresolutiontherapy.com, which yeah. probably have in print somewhere and I'm just blowing my own horn inappropriate. No, you, um, no, this is very appropriate. You beat me to the punch. I was like, oh, we're winding down and I was going to have you tell us where to where to be part yeah, of your I'm ecosystem. So and, I, no, no, you're I great. No, you have people listening and thirsty yeah. and hungry for, for, for solutions. And well, and I want to make sure they they know it's right there. We have people from around the globe now very involved in this process rapidresolutiontherapy.com and yeah. uh, be um, so um, delighted to to show people more stuff and open more uh, doors for them absolutely and and everything for everybody listening we're going to have this in the show notes so obviously as always make sure you go there check out the website the books and everything for John and his team and what he's got going on, because, you know, especially when it comes to any type of trauma, but specifically a lot of my listeners are, are former military first responders and with PTSD in general, I, I know a lot of men and women out there are looking for a way to get past this. And right now, um, without being exposed to things like RRT or some other doctors that are going through innovative ways to address PTSD, they feel stuck in the mud and they feel like they're just running in circles. And so this is very powerful as well. I was very happy to have you on the show today. I really appreciate your time, John. I really appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge and also your enthusiasm to get out and actually hold yourself accountable to helping people. That is something that's incredibly special, but 
really appreciate all of that. Oh, wow. Now you went and made me feel good, dude. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, it's very, very privileged to be able to make a difference for people who have um, been of service for people who have been victimized. Um, it's like, it, it, it feels like an honored uh, calling. And, and I, I'm grateful every day. Well, I feel like you're doing a beautiful job doing it. So please continue your work. Please continue writing books that can help people and just constantly being the face of, of what it looks like to find that happiness in their lives. Well, before I let you go, John, can I give you one more question? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this one's an easier one. Uh, I, obviously, the show is the uh, art of masculinity, and I always love to ask my guests, what does the art of masculinity mean to you? Kindness and protection. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Very succinct and definitely true. I love that. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Again, I appreciate Johnny, you. I hope you uh, you 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 have me back. This was an incredible conversation. It felt like it took five minutes. I, I it did. I looked up and I was like, oh, crap, I got to make sure John gets to his day. But no, I absolutely will have you back because I think there's more that we can dive into to truly help people through the podcast and then also continue to steer people towards your program and what you guys are doing over there. So I appreciate your time, John. And to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time.